0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.
1: Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, December 11th. A local representative proposes a federal law to prosecute fentanyl overdoses as homicides. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A California appeals court will hear arguments this week on a challenge to the state's new solar rules. Three environmental groups argue regulators failed to meet requirements in the state's public utility code when they approved rules slashing the value of rooftop solar. Attorney Aaron Stanton says, it is rare for a challenge of a CPUC decision to get this far.
2: For Public Utilities Commission decisions, you have to go straight to the Court of Appeal and the Court of Appeal has discretion about whether or not they decide to hear the case. Uh, So in this case, the Court of Appeal exercised its discretion to hear the case. Uh, And so the oral argument um, and the hearing on the case will be December 13th.
1: It is unclear when a decision
2: will be issued.
1: Sandag's interim CEO has been announced. The board unanimously approved appointing Colleen Clemenson to lead the agency starting next month. She's currently the agency's deputy CEO. The current CEO, Hassani Krata, has led Sandex since 2018. His last day is December 29th. The Santee Drive-In Movie Theater will be closing its doors at the end of the month. The drive-in has been around for 65 years. According to the company's website, the theater is closing because of not having as many customers, the higher cost of business, and competition with streaming services. The last day the drive-in will be open is December 31st. This week, they'll be showing Trolls, The Marvels, Hunger Games, and Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. There's one other drive-in in in the county, the South Bay Drive-In Theater. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Earlier, we told you Representative Daryl Issa is introducing legislation that could make it easier to prosecute fentanyl deaths as homicides. Reporter Katie Heisa went to Temecula City Hall for the announcement.
3: Dozens of signs surround the podium. Cassandra Walker-Nolan, Forever 38. Maddie Madich, Forever 16. Alexandra Capaluto: Forever 20. Below their photos, the words, Victim of Drug-Induced Homicide, Poisoned by Fentanyl. Parents say their children didn't know the pills they bought from dealers, often marketed as less potent opioids like Percocet, contained fentanyl. Alexandra's father, Matthew Capaluto, has been pushing to pass Alexandra's law in California for several years. ISA is taking it federal. It would require the court to warn anyone federally convicted of providing fentanyl that if they continue and it results in someone's death, they could be charged with murder. Riverside County District Attorney Mike Hestron says right now, his office doesn't have much power to prosecute these deaths.
0: Over the last three years, we have filed 33 murder cases involving fentanyl deaths, but it's a drop in the bucket.
3: Harm reductionists say incarceration won't save lives. They are pushing instead for easier access to supplies like fentanyl test strips and Narcan. Katie Heisen, KPBS News.
1: Long way times to travel north across the Tijuana-San Diego border is an ugly fact of life we've all gotten used to. But now, traffic is jamming up for people going south. Border reporter Gustavo Solis examines this unsettling new phenomena.
2: Rush hour at the border is a symphony of honking cars. Gloria was stuck in the middle of it last Thursday afternoon as she headed south to her home in Tijuana. It took her half an hour to drive just two blocks.
1: It's crazy. Two o'clock on, if you're not in line, you're gonna be hours to get across.
2: Cross-border traffic is not a new phenomenon. For decades, people have waited as long as three, four, even five hours to cross from Tijuana into San Diego. But now we're seeing traffic jams in both directions. Everyone started
0: seeing and noticing two, maybe three hour wait times heading southbound into Mexico,
2: which is, was, completely uncommon. Joaquin Lucan is the executive director of the Smart Border Coalition. He says the organization started noticing problems about six months ago. Southbound border traffic has increased slowly but steadily over the last couple of years, as the housing crunch has forced more people to live in Tijuana and work in San Diego.
0: The uh, the binational workforce keeps growing and, and more with the news of San Diego being the most expensive city in the U.S. So that just creates more stress on on Tijuana, and that creates more stress uh, on the border crosser, and on the borders, and on our infrastructure.
2: It used to be that this kind of traffic was only bad on Fridays, but now it happens every day of the work week. Streetlight Data is a mobility platform that analyzes thousands of data sources to study traffic patterns. They compared southbound border traffic from January through March of 2022 to the same period this year. Streetlight data engineer Jim Hubble says the data show a steady increase.
0: I would say the yeah the
2: the the rush hour has gone to rush hours you know so it, it's it's starting earlier and it's ending later. This kind of traffic can ruin someone's day. Just imagine waiting three hours to cross into San Diego, then work an eight-hour shift, and finally wait another two hours to go back home to Tijuana.
4: I mean, so much of your life is lost waiting in the borderline.
2: Margaret Yoba is the co-owner of the San Diego-based Border Traffic, which developed an app that gives users real-time view of traffic along the border. The company launched with one camera in 2010. Now, it has more than 40 cameras and tens of thousands of users, all of them planning their entire schedule around border traffic.
4: And a lot of people really depend on our our service because it does offer something that you can't get anywhere else. Nobody else has these live video updates that let you see with your own eyes whenever you want, 24-7, what's actually going on.
2: Northbound border traffic has impacts that go way beyond inconvenience. It costs the San Diego-Tijuana border region billions of dollars in lost productivity each year. The increase in southbound traffic is nowhere near that point. But it's so bad that the president of Mexico had to get involved. During a pre-planned visit to Baja California in November, local reporters asked President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador to fix the situation.
5: Es muy tardado, la gente se enoja, viene cansada. Entonces todo el día se la pasa en el ir y venir en la
1: frontera.
2: Reporter Yolanda Morales told the president that people are angry and tired. The president said he'd take care of it. Give me until the end of the year, he said.
5: Vamos a poner fin de año.
2: And the situation has improved. Before Lopez Obrador's visit, there would be only six southbound lanes at the border crossing. Now, all 20 are open. Lucan says these changes come at a perfect time, right before the holiday shopping season.
0: We've already been seeing some of the benefits of, of, of having all the lanes open, most of the lanes open, heading into, uh, in, into Tijuana.
2: Still, it's not enough. KPBS talked to several commuters on their way to Tijuana in the middle of Thursday's rush hour.
1: Está feo el trafico, no sé por qué no
2: Victoria said she waited four hours to cross into San Diego that morning, then waited another hour to get back into Tijuana. To make matters worse, her son had to go to the bathroom. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, Queen Bee's is celebrating its 15th anniversary.
5: My vision for the location was basically be the hub of art and culture and provide people with a unique space to create a new events and promote art and music and dance and everything that makes people happy.
1: We'll have more on Queen Bee's history and how they plan to celebrate the anniversary just after the break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at TrustYourHomeToUs.com.
1: Queen Bee's Art and Cultural Center is a lively community space and a beacon for artists in North Park. This month, it celebrates its 15th anniversary with a party tomorrow that will look at the history and legacy of the venue. My colleague Beth Accomando spoke with Queen Bee's founder, Alma Rodriguez, about the history of the center and what to expect at tomorrow's celebration. Here's that conversation.
4: Alma, you are on the eve of the 15th anniversary for Queen Bee, so for anyone who's not familiar with this location, explain what Queen Bee is. Well, Queen Bee is an art and cultural
5: center here in the Heart of North Park, and we've been here for 15 years, so I'm excited about tell everybody about what's going to take place.
4: And what was it like when you first opened up Queen Bee 15 years ago. What was this area like, and what was the response to it?
5: Nothing what it's like today. Basically, I came in a perfect time. Economy was pretty much crushed, and there was a lot of of abandoned places and buildings, and it was a kind of a challenging times. But when I moved here, it definitely brings a new era to North Park, so a lot of new businesses start open up. It was the art district at the time, and it still is uh, maintaining the the cultural part of the art district, so, but a lot of new, amazing restaurants and locations and uh, novelty stores. So I seen North Park being transformed and I'm so happy to be part of it.
4: And what was your vision for Queen Bee when you opened it? What did you want it to be? How did you want it to kind of function in the community? Uh, I think my vision for the location was basically
5: be the hub of art and culture and provide people with a unique space to create a new events and
4: promote art and music and dance and everything that makes people happy. And you are going to be celebrating your anniversary on the 12th, which is a special day for you. It is a very special day. For some
5: reason, the 1212 has been following me around throughout my life. I registered the name Queen Bees on December 12, 2008, and I didn't know how things were going to take place, but I think the community accept a new type of situation here with this building. 1929, that's when it was the showroom for Dixie Lumber Company, and it built all the craftsmen homes, so when I saw this building, how unique and beautiful it was, I just, Know that I needed to turn it into a cultural
4: space. And when you took it over, it had been a ninety-nine-cent store. So, what was it like when you like first came into this space? Oh God, I, I
5: think, uh, yeah, it was a disparity. It was a lot of fixing to do. The transformation was incredible because it took uh, it took years. It didn't happen overnight. I'm a independent venue, so just we took one challenge at a time and we were very closely with with the city to be able to transform it to
4: what it is now. And what will the celebration entail? What are you gonna be doing to celebrate these 15 years? Well, the first thing
5: is to get people aware of what Queen Bees was 15 years ago. And what it has transformed. We have a presentation of a PowerPoint, the before and after. And we also have a great performance throughout the day. We are going to have our mayor Ty Gloria give us a proclamation. We also gonna have our city leaders, our community leaders come in. And it's just gonna be a party for the community, you know, to everybody to know that Queen Beast is here to serve the purposes of art and culture and good birthday parties and great concerts. We also gonna have our house poet, uh, Rudy Francisco, opening the, the event and then Gregory Page as well. And Gilbert Castellano is gonna be our feature. And then we are going to and the party with a swing dance because uh, happened to be our Tuesday night, which is our regular swing dance night, so the stars align perfectly. <laughs>
4: And you came to San Diego from Puerto Rico. What was it in your upbringing, do you think, that instilled this passion for community and for art and for creating a venue like this?
5: I think, as a growing up having my community neighborhood do music, and we always have a reason to celebrate something, (laughs) the sunset, the the moon, (laughs) anything. I think my upbringing had a a lot to do with being involved in the art scene and the music scene. We always had moments in my life that all I wanted to do was Play drums, and I don't want to even go to school or do nothing except for playing music. <laughs> That's part of, I, I guess, what I grew up is is a lot of community and all together kind of enjoy happy moments. So. For me, it was, I, I, I want to be where the movement is, where the music is, where the art. If we're not dancing, we're drumming, and we're not drumming, we're singing. And s- throughout my uh, life, I just worked towards creating something bigger than me. And what made you decide to call it Queen Bee? Oh, that's an interesting story. A local newspaper wrote a small, blurred article and say... I didn't have a name at the time. I was just fixing walls and painting. And he, when he came and took my picture to be on the, the publication, the title of the article was, The Queen Bee of Art and Entertainment is Moving to North Park. I thought, wow, that's a great idea, but I'm not the only queen bee. This place is gonna be for all the queen bees in the world that we fought for our, our ideals and our dreams. And there you go, every household has a queen bee. So I created the logo, I drew the logo, and um, it became the Queen Bees of North Park. That's how I started.
1: That was Alma Rodriguez, the founder of Queen Bees Art and Cultural Center, speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Acomando. The venue will celebrate its 15th anniversary tomorrow, starting at noon. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow to stay in the know on your community's top stories. I'm Tebby Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Monday.